If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 4. We're continuing our sermon series uh, in the Gospel of Mark. And I've entitled this uh, sermon today, Glimpses of the Kingdom. And this idea of just catching a glimpse of something uh, just really brought back some memories of when uh, we lived in Colorado. Uh, I had the opportunity to hike a handful of the 14ers. Uh, there are 58 mountains that are over 14,000 uh, feet in Colorado. And the reward for reaching the top of one of these peaks is one of the most breathtaking views that you can find anywhere on the planet. But to get there, you have to, uh, you have to hike several mountains or several miles, just one mountain, several, several miles up steep incline through thin mountain air. And you typically start at a trailhead that's uh, several miles from the peak. It's in dense forest, and there's no view of the summit at, uh, in sight. It's just trees. And you'll hike for several hours through these trees, hiking up this incline. And occasionally, you'll, you'll be rewarded by the glimpse of one of the other nearby peaks as you're, you know, there's a break in the trees or something like this. And it motivates you to continue on, to press on. There it is, you know, uh, we're, we're headed for one of those. And, and, and eventually you break 11,000 feet, you know, you get above tree line and you get your first glimpse of the summit you're actually heading for, but it's still a long way off. And then sometimes the view of the top is obscured. Maybe you're going around the side or something. You can no longer see it for a while until it comes back into view. But those glimpses of the summit that you get here and there motivate you to press on, to continue uh, to, to go forward as it gets closer and closer until eventually you reach the top and you are rewarded with this view uh, of all of the, just the peaks around you for as far as the eye can see. You get to enjoy the view eat your lunch, rest a while before you head back down the mountain. Well, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus is teaching us about the kingdom of God using uh, parables. And, and, and Jesus would often begin in these parables by saying, the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like. He'd then proceed to illustrate some truth about the kingdom. And these parables give us little glimpses of the kingdom. It's like it's peeking through the, the, the trees there on our way up towards the celestial city, as Bunyan would say or something. As we're, we're headed towards the goal, we get these little peaks along the way. And if we have ears to hear, ears to hear, they motivate us to keep pressing on, to keep living in light of God's kingdom, even if it may look like not much is happening, as if it's a long row in front of us. Two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Peter preached on the parable of the sower, the importance of good dirt. And in it, Jesus speaks of a farmer who's sowing seed, uh, which represents the good news of the kingdom, the word of God, the gospel going forward. And he describes four different kinds of soil. They reflect responses to the word that you hear, different ways that we respond to the gospel. And only one of those four produced a crop. And the main point of the parable of the sower is found in verse 9 of chapter 4. Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Jesus is explaining that the kingdom of God comes only to those who have been careful to listen, to receive God's word, to believe it, to put it into practice. And then Jesus follows that parable of the sower with three more parables in this chapter that we're going to look at this morning. 
Each of them reinforces the parable of the sower in some way. And so, uh, go ahead and look uh, in, in your Bibles at Mark chapter 4. I want us to see this morning that your ability to catch glimpses of God's kingdom is tied directly to how carefully you hear and apply the Word of God. So this is the Word of God. Listen carefully as we read God's Word. Mark 4, 21 to 34. He, Jesus, said to them, "'Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed?' Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. He also said, the kingdom, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First, the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth, yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using the parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. This is God's Word. Let's pray. Father, teach us from your Word today. Would your Spirit give us ears to hear? Give us eyes to see. Lord, give us hearts to respond to your Word. Lord, teach us, each one of us, wherever we're at in our spiritual journey, what you would have for us today. Amen. Well, the first parable teaches us that uh, God's kingdom is revealed. God's kingdom has been revealed, so look for it. You don't bring a lamp into a dark room in order to cover it up. You put it on a stand so that it lights up the whole room. And this is a very similar but, but not quite the same thing that Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. There he tells us the same kind of illustration. You don't bring a lamp into a room to put it under a bowl, but, but let your light shine before um, men and women so that they may see your good works and glorify God in heaven. Uh, in Matthew 5, he's talking about how we are the light of the world as Jesus' followers. Uh, our passage here in Mark 4, I think, has a different point, similar, uh, but not quite the same point that Jesus is making in that other place. Here, the way Jesus uses this parable seems to come as a clarification, uh, a response that clarifies that something, uh, something Jesus had told His disciples earlier in verse 11 that probably confused them. After speaking to the crowds, this parable of the sower, uh, he urged them to work hard to understand what he was saying. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And then he would explain the parable in private to his disciples. 
At the end of our selection today, uh, Mark summarizes all of Jesus' teaching on the parables by saying, he did not say anything to them, the crowds, without using a parable, but, but when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. Those statements of Jesus, his explanation for why he's using parables, surely, probably confuse the disciples. It confuses me. It confuses us here today. The question is, is Jesus deliberately trying to hide the truth? With this parable, Jesus assures them that, no, I'm not. No, I'm not trying to hide the truth. I came, Jesus is saying, as the light of the world to bring light to all peoples. He's saying, trust me, trust me, what is temporarily hidden about the kingdom is going to eventually be made plain to all. Everyone will see it. I've come to show the whole world the nature of the kingdom of God. And then he stresses once again the importance for us to to truly hear what he's saying If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. And then he immediately doubles down on that, following up with, consider carefully what you hear. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. Friends, Jesus is saying that what you get from God, how you experience His kingdom is dependent on how well you've listened to His Word, how well you've heard it, how well you've taken it to heart. If you embrace Jesus' message of the kingdom, and if you seek to let it shape your life, your, your hopes, your dreams, your values, the way you see the world, it will produce a harvest of blessing in you. More and more will be given to you. God will give you more understanding. You'll experience Him in a deeper and more profound way. He'll produce more of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. He'll use you to produce a crop of 30, 60, 100 times what was sown in His life. Listen carefully to the truth and you'll get more. When the light of Jesus comes to you, look for it. Don't miss it. But, but, if you don't apply and act on what you've learned from God, even what you thought you knew will become unreal to you. You'll lose it, right? It won't take root. Kids, It's like if if mom makes something really good for dinner and you want more of something, you have to finish your plate. She's not going to give you more if you don't finish what you already have. Think about a skill that maybe you develop, maybe as a kid, uh, you use it or lose it. Maybe you took piano lessons when you were younger, you learned to play some simple songs, you learned some scales, and if you keep at it, you get better. But if you stop practicing altogether, even what you used to know is gone. You, you lost it. I played a ton of soccer when I was younger. You can't tell by looking at me now. But uh, uh, I, I played a lot. I got to be pretty good after college. I didn't kick a soccer ball in any meaningful way until I joined an indoor soccer league about four years ago. And uh, it had been 25 years 
since I had played competitive soccer, I had stopped playing longer than some of the people I was playing against had been alive. Needless to say, my mind remembered what I could do, but my body had long forgotten, right? That muscle memory was gone. Here's the point. Jesus is stressing that you have to listen carefully with ears of faith. The parables both obscure and illuminate depending on how you receive them. To the three, to three of the soils, the hard-hearted, the double-minded, the worried or distracted, they're a prophetic warning that Jesus gives about the seriousness of failing to open your heart to God's Word. But to the good soil, to the one who receives the Word, they give us glimpses of what the kingdom is like. Some of you listening in, perhaps in this room, perhaps on the live stream, may be considering who Jesus is. Perhaps you've been spiritually searching in light of all the things that are going on in our, in our world these days, the uncertainty, the disruption of this worldwide pandemic, the social unrest that's all around us, perhaps the disruption of your job or, or your health. I would say to you, wrestle with the Scripture Reflect on it, think about it until it sinks in like seed, till it clicks and it makes sense of your life and of the world around you. See Jesus for who He is, God's Messiah, the eternal Son of God who entered into our world like light. He's coming into this dark world to enlighten us. He's what you're looking for. Place your trust in Him. Ask Him to forgive you, to make you right with God. Follow Him as your King. Others of you have been following Jesus for some time, perhaps many years, but maybe your faith has become casual. You attend worship, you, you tune in, or you, you show up when the doors are open, but, but you're just going through the motions. This is just kind of part of what you do. Don't assume that because you're familiar with the Word that you truly get it that you're truly experiencing it. Hearing the Word like Jesus means is not passive. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's what Jesus has in mind when He says, of, uh, He calls us to have ears to hear. To, he, he's telling us to do it, to, to live by it, to spread it to others. And if you don't, if you don't, even what you think you know will fail to impact your life. You won't be transformed by it. It will be as if it has been taken away. The kingdom of God is like a lamp on a stand. Jesus came to enlighten us, so look for the light. Be careful to listen to it and put it in practice. Do what it says. The second parable teaches us that the growth of the kingdom is inevitable. It's going to happen, so wait for it. The first parable stresses that Jesus came into the world to be known, and it underscores our responsibility to look for Him, to truly listen to Him. The second parable stresses the supernatural power of God to work in our hearts and to work around the world. The kingdom of God, Jesus says, is like a man who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. The farmer knows that he should sow good seed in good soil. He, he knows that he needs to water it and fertilize it, but ultimately he doesn't know how it grows. 
He just knows that it does. He can't make it grow. He can provide conditions for it to grow, but it grows on its own power. There's something about the seed itself that gets unlocked. Verse 28, all, of us, all by itself, Jesus says, all by itself, the, seed, the soil produces grain. We don't make ourselves grow. We don't convert anyone. We can't cause spiritual growth to occur in another person. That's not our job. That's God's job. And God is committed to doing it. He says that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. The Word of God is the seed. It has power of its own. The gospel, Paul says, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And the word power there is the word dunamis. It's the word where we get dynamite, right? It's, it's powerful. It does something. The Word of God gives life. It inevitably produces fruit in those who truly hear it. If you have ears to hear, it will produce fruit in your life. But it takes time. It doesn't happen all at once. Notice the process. All, all by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. Spiritual growth doesn't happen overnight. We want a quick fix, instant growth, microwave spirituality, but the farmer sows the seed and then he goes to bed. He can't make it grow. He gets back up, he works, he goes to bed. Night and day, night and day, rising and sleeping, sleeping and rising. He can't make the seed grow, but he trusts that it will and he patiently waits for the harvest. What's this mean? It means you have to engage the process and keep at it, right? Spiritual growth happens steadily. It's inevitable, but, but sometimes it doesn't seem like much is happening. You have to wait for it. Have you ever wondered if you were getting anything out of your daily devotions? Uh, you read the Word day after day. Sometimes you have a good insight. Sometimes you feel God's presence in a, in, in a special way. Sometimes you feel like you're just putting in the time. But when you look back over the course of months, you can see things that God has been doing in your life. You have a greater appetite for God. Some, sometimes you, uh, you, you know the Word better, right? You're, you're seeking to walk with God. You're faithfully putting one foot in front of the other. You're seeing spiritual fruit over time. Or maybe you're discipling another person. Maybe it's your kids. Uh, you're trying to nurture them in the faith. You have this time of great family devotions. You're talking about how we ought to, to love one another and treat each other well and be patient. And then it's 15 minutes later, you close the Bible and your kids are blowing up at each other. Anybody been there? You wonder if anything is getting through. Trust. The seed is germinating. God is working. It takes time. Maybe you're discipling someone else. Again, similarly, you're wondering if anything gets through. It's funny, a few of us were talking with someone who does inner city ministry to at-risk kids last week, and he shared about this particular kid that was disruptive, and it, at, eventually it just got so bad that they had to kick him out of the program. And then the next year he asked to come back, he came back, he got disrupted, they had to kick him out of the program. Next year he comes back, he disrupt, they kick him out of the program. This happens like year after year after year, and they're like, oh my goodness. And, but eventually, he hears, he has ears to hear. The Word takes root in his life, and it starts growing, he starts maturing, he starts developing. 
When the Word of God encounters good soil, spiritual growth is inevitable. It's going to happen, but it takes time. So be patient. Trust. Don't give up on the process. Wait for it in hope. The final parable teaches us that the growth of God's kingdom is abundant. It's, it's massive, and we get to be a part of it. Jesus describes the kingdom as like a mustard seed. It looks insignificant. It is a small, tiny dot on the tip of your finger, but it produces results all out of proportion with itself. It becomes a bush. It's not a tree. It's a bush, but it can grow as high as 20 feet with a 20-foot spread. The kingdom of God came to this earth initially in one person, Jesus. He was a freelance rabbi. He eventually gathered 12 largely nondescript disciples. They were people, though, in whom the Word of God began to bear fruit and multiply. And so this small, ragtag group of followers eventually is going to become a countless multitude, people from every tribe and tongue and nation that no one can count, described for us in places like Revelation 7. Well, how's that, how's that been working? Within 40 years of Christ's death, the gospel had reached all of the great cultural centers of the Roman Empire. Scholars estimate that by AD 350, Christians had become the majority of the Roman Empire. This chart, if you can see it, you get the picture, even if you can't see the numbers, you you see the line graph there. Rodney Stark, a sociologist of religion at Baylor University, put together an estimate of what that growth might have looked like. Again, it starts out small, seemingly seemingly insignificant. It's registering 0% of the population for 200 years before it eventually results in explosive growth. In the next 150 years, it becomes the majority, over 50% of the empire, Christian. Today, Christianity is the largest religion on the planet with over 30% of the world's population identifying in some way with Christ. And of course, we all know that a lot of those people are simply cultural Christians or not necessarily practicing Christians. But even if, as another estimate has it, one in seven people on the planet are practicing followers of Jesus, this is still remarkable growth. The U.S. Center for World Missions this, this agency that has put together the perspective course that you heard about earlier in our service today, uh, uh, that GRC is going to be hosting this fall, they've put together a graphic getting at this growth. In AD 100, it's estimated that there was one practicing Christian for every 360 non-Christian and nominal Christians in the world, one to 360. After a thousand years, <clears throat> that number had shrunk to one in 270 slow, steady growth. But in the last hundred years, Christianity has exploded around the world so that perhaps one in seven of all people follow Jesus. Why do I say this? What's the point of all these numbers, charts? Jesus' parables are true. It's happening. We can see it in history. The kingdom of God is invading this world, saving people for God in increasing numbers. God's intent, friends, is that the good soil, people who hear and practice the Word of God, that good soil will produce a harvest of 30, 60, 100-fold. 
Have you experienced that gospel? Have you experienced the steady production of fruit in your own life? Has God used you to spread the gospel, to increase the harvest? That's His intent for every follower of Christ. You have the privilege of being part of the advance of God's kingdom. How can you do that? You can pray. Start with prayer. It's one of the most significant frontline ministries that you can do. Pray. Pray for the people that God has in His sovereignty brought into your life who have not yet entered the kingdom, who have not yet experienced the blessing of God's kingdom in their own life. Pray for the people that are missionaries that we partner with are trying to reach in other parts of our city and around the world. Pray for the advance of the kingdom. Pray for the lost. Pray for your own opportunities to share the gospel. Invite someone to Christianity Explored when we offer it again in the fall where they can learn about Jesus directly from the gospel of Mark for themselves. Consider registering for the Perspectives class in August. Learn more about what God's doing around the world and across time. Look for ways in which God may want you to engage this cultural moment right now with a kingdom purpose. How can you bless your neighbors, the other people that you know, your coworkers during this worldwide pandemic? How can you listen and learn and love during this time of racial tension? What will you do with the glimpses of the kingdom that God has given you? Be aware. The kingdom of God is revealed in Jesus. Do you see it? Are you paying careful attention to His Word? Be encouraged. The kingdom of God is inevitably and steadily growing. Are you waiting for it? Be engaged. The kingdom of God is growing abundantly. Are you a part of it? Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that You reveal Yourself to us. Thank you that though we were your enemies, Lord, by your grace you broke in. Thank you that if we hear and understand, it's because you have, by your grace, given us ears to hear, eyes to see. You've given us spiritual enlightenment. Lord, give us more. Would what we have grow and become more abundant? Lord, don't let us be like those who hear and don't put it in practice and even what we have is taken away. Lord, help us to experience more of you to experience more of your love and your grace, to, to, to have a growing and greater appetite for your word, to have a greater growing affection for Jesus in response to your great love for us. And Lord, give us a heart for your kingdom. Help us to have your passion for our own lives, for the lives of those around us, and for your world. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being part of your kingdom, citizens of another world. Lord, help us to be your ambassadors, to honor you in how we live our life, how we show and tell the gospel. Lord, bear fruit in us and through us for your glory, we pray. Amen.